Lord, that we be reminded, Father, of the love that comes from you. We just thank you and we praise you, Father, for your goodness. Father, may your spirit lead us and guide us, Father. May your spirit direct my mouth and my mind as I speak. Oh, Father, may we leave here worshiping and praising you for your goodness to us. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, I think back some years ago when I came here some 35 years ago from Alabama, and one of the first things I noticed about Good News was the esteem that the church has for women who are pregnant. And I realized real quickly that you don't even make a joke about a woman who's pregnant. They're lifted up and they're, they're precious in our sight. And I learned that. And in the midst of, of, of being here, I learned that, that when a baby is born, that you've got to know, as pastor, you've got to know the baby's full name, whether it has hair, whether it's straight or curly, the weight, the length, the, you know, the name, all these things are so important. And, and here are just some pictures kind of showing you, you see the weight there, and then the time is born, and all these things. Um, so beautiful, right? A couple more? Yes. Is that not true there? A smile and yet a cry. Uh, there are so many creative ways today with uh, the media to, to acknowledge the, the birth of our loved ones. Today, as we think about it, there, there are ways where we don't just see a picture of the baby, but we see the first nap. We see the first bath. We see all these firsts. For today, I want us to look, if we think about announcements and all these details, I want us to look at a very special birth. The birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles open at Luke chapter 2, let's look at verses 8 through 14 first. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 11 again. <laughs> For unto you is born this child. For unto you it's like the angel almost, I, I don't know about you guys, but yesterday our family, were, we were wrapping gifts and we had those tags, you know, you to so-and-so, from so-and-so. And it's like these, this angel took 
one of those gift tags to the shepherd from God. The angels were doing more than telling the shepherds what had happened. The angel was also telling them why it mattered. Usually, when a baby is born, it's born to a family. And they're the ones who get to enjoy the gift of the child's life. In this case, this child was for the shepherds, for their salvation, and for everyone who followed to believe by faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I bring you good news of great joy. It will be for all people born to you. So who is this child? If we look at birth announcements, who is this child? The name is always key, isn't it, in these announcements. Earlier, before this passage in Luke 1, an angel had appeared to Mary and also separately to Joseph, telling them, you shall call his name Jesus, because he would save his people from their sins. Names are important. The angel here told his shepherds about this little baby that was born, this little child. He used three words that are important. A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ, and Lord. So instead of giving specific names, three titles, three roles that this little child would have. First is Savior, Deliverer. Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. He delivered us by coming as a babe, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, and rising again, and sitting at the right hand of God the Father, first Savior. And then the Christ. Of course, Christ eventually became a name, but it's a title. It points towards the anointed one, that Messiah that the Jewish uh, country had been looking for. They waited for the Messiah. And the angel acknowledges that Jesus Christ, this babe, is the Messiah. And third, Lord. And Lord here points towards his deity and his sovereignty, sovereign rule over all things. Jesus Christ the Lord God. But the good news of the shepherds, for the shepherds, was that this child would be their Savior and God. What this angel was really saying, if you think about it, is the God who made you, the God who gave you your DNA, the God who woke you up this morning, that God, the person of Jesus Christ, stepped down into time. On his first Christmas day, God took on flesh. And the voice that just spoke and created the universe could be, could be heard crying in a manger. In those hands that placed the stars in the sky, grabbed a hold of Mary's finger. Mary's son was fully God, and yet fully man. And we need to remember that 
unlike other conceptions and births, that this was not the beginning for Jesus Christ. God the Son had always existed as an equal, eternally with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. We remember the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God the Son is described in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So what happened that night when this babe, Jesus Christ, was born, was not the beginning. Some today might be struggling with this idea that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, and that when Mary and Joseph looked into that little manger that they saw the eternal Son of God, Maybe you struggle with that whole idea of a virgin birth. And maybe you can't right now accept that. You, you accept the fact that maybe Christ was a great teacher, but I'm not sure about God. But if you think about it, if you believe that God created the universe, then surely he can enter into his universe. Why would be surprised that God could do what he wants to do. Think about this. Probably a hundred years ago, I don't think there was any concept that conception could take place outside of sexual intercourse. A hundred years ago, that would have been impossible. And yet today, we know. We see it all the time. Doctors, in the wisdom that God has given them, have been able to do that. Now it's so very obvious. And if doctors can do this, do we really want to say that God can't enter into this world? Maybe we can't understand the mystery of how God could enter into this world and still accept the fact that he came. This baby born on that first Christmas day is an answer to our problem. Our problem of slavery to sin and separation from God. God bridged that gap between us by coming from heaven to earth. And in this, he showed how much he loves us, how much he cares for us. In his deep love for us, he became Mahima, he became man. He became a man in order that he might become our Savior. Well, the place where God's Son was born is a surprising choice of locations for us. I mean, let's be honest, we want the best for our children, right? But I believe it shows the heart of God. Again, I know when Zach and Jared were born, we wanted the best hospital that our insurance would provide. We were the best doctors, and today, each of us, when our uh, family is about ready to be expanded and have another child, we want the best midwife if you choose that. We want the best doctor. We want the best facilities. And yet, if you think about it, God sent his son to be born 
in a manger. Luke chapter 2 talks about it. First few verses there. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. Joseph went up from Galilee to Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, this betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there's no place for them in the end. In human terms, we know that the reason that Mary and Joseph ended up in this manger and that Mary had the Christ child there was because of Caesar Augustus, who ordered this census. But that's the, the human perspective, human terms. God's perspective we see in Michael 5, 2. There we see God's prophecy of Christ to be born. It says, Bethlehem, though you are only a small village among all of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler of Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Mary and Joseph were forced to travel from Bethlehem to pay taxes and to register according to Caesar Augustus' decree. This set the stage for the fulfillment of the prophecy that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. They appear, they appear in human terms, to be helpless pawns caught up in the secular movement of history. But every move, every move was under the powerful hand of God, who is sovereign over all things. Augustus, back then, was an important man, and his name actually meant, means holy, or worthy of adoration, or revered, and he was regarded as a savior, and a lot of people to call him son of God. And back then, people worshipped them, and that's a, and much way that we have with Christ, there were towns and villages that set their calendar according to Caesar Augustus' birthday, September the 23rd, the first day of the year. And there was talk that Caesar Augustus changed times. I wonder if the shepherds were struck by how vastly different this child in a manger was from the power and the glory and the prestige of this Roman emperor. The emperor was the head over huge armies to move his subjects with a stroke of a pen as he did with that decree. And yet, this angel comes to these shepherds and he announced the birth of this child in this manger, wrapped in swaddling cloth, placed in a food cradle for livestock, 
He is the real Son of God. He is worthy of worship. His birth does change all things. He came as Savior to the world. His birthday is still used today, some 2,000 years later, for our calendar. He wasn't born to a king and queen. He didn't live in a palace. Rather, he was born to a peasant girl in a cave or a shack. We're not sure which. Again, his cradle was a food trough. He came to live among us, not lording his power over us. He knew poverty. He knew what it was to be an outsider, to be rejected. Think about it. He never owned his own house. Just as Christ does not come to the proud and the powerful today, he came to the poor and to the powerless and to the humble in spirit. Mary and Joseph were nobodies from a no, nowhere town. They were peasants, poor, uneducated, and to the world around them were no value. We must never forget the first Christmas where Christianity began, where it always begins with a sense of need personally a sense of inadequacy. The all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the ever-present God, came on that morning to the day. The birth announcement came first not to the privileged and the powerful, but to the needy and the poor in spirit. Luke 2, 8 through 10 says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the flock, in fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I think first we're all surprised that God didn't send his son to the best hospital, quote-unquote, back then. And then I think we'd be surprised, if we think about it, with our birth announcement, the people who received this announcement, lowly shepherds. It's likely that these shepherds, because they were so close to Bethlehem, were caring for sheep, that would likely be used for sacrifices for the Passover coming up in Jerusalem in a few months. I think it's symbolic that these shepherds who were watching over lambs to be sacrificed were invited to go and view the Passover Lamb of God that would provide salvation for all the world. Thank God. We can to kind of romanticize shepherds because there's some good shepherds in the Bible that we read about, like David and others. But shepherds back in those days were looked down on. They were outcasts. They were despised by the quote-unquote good people of the time. 
They were regarded as thieves. And the only people who were lower than shepherds were the lepers. And since they lived out in the field, they weren't able to keep the ceremonial law and were therefore considered unclean. And because they were regarded as liars and thieves, their testimony wasn't even uh, allowed in a court of law. And yet, these people, these outcasts, despised, seen as thieves and unclean, these are the ones that God announced the birth of his son. They were the working class sinners. He made it to them. They knew they were needed. God only comes to those who sent a need. He doesn't come to the self-sufficient, does he? The gospel is for those who know they need Jesus. He didn't make this announcement to royalty or to those with power and status. He came to a group of lowly shepherds. They would find the creator of the universe wrapped in swaddling cloth. Well, what was the response of these shepherds, and what should be your response and my response? In Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 18, we see their response. When the angels went away from, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard. How should we respond? In the same way that these shepherds did. You know, it's not enough just to hear about Jesus. It's not enough just to peek over into that manger scene and say, oh, how cute. It's not enough to say, oh, it gives me such good feelings. Now, you see, first, we need to do as the shepherds did. They believed the word of God given to them through the angels. Their immediate response was to leave their sheep and to go to Bethlehem. And we too must believe God's word given to us in Scripture. And true faith is much more than just an intellectual assent. True faith always, always results in obedience. The shepherds immediately left their sheep and went to Bethlehem. Their lives were never the same again. And we too must personally believe what God has said regarding his son. And if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we won't go on with life as before. There will be changes in the way we live. No one is saved by good works, but saving faith 
always results in good works. Let's say it one more time. No one is ever saved by good works, by being good, but saving faith always results in good works. Always. We see the change in these shepherds' lives. They made known for they had seen and heard from the angels. The Savior of the world wasn't Caesar Augustus. It won't be some great world leader today. It wasn't President Obama. It won't be President Trump. The Savior of the world is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to earth, fell in human flesh. He lived in that flesh. He died in that flesh, was resurrected in that flesh, and now lives in that same glorified flesh in heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. We've seen a picture this morning of, of God the Father's heart. His son was born to a peasant girl. He announced his son's birth not to the rich and to the powerful, but to the lowly shepherd. We see his deep love. Christ left the majesty of heaven to become a man. He became one of us. God's first announcement to the, um, by the angels didn't give his name, but gave us those titles of, of Savior, and Christ, or Messiah, and Lord. So first, we need to do as the angels did and believe God's word. And secondly, they told others what they had seen. In verse 17, it talks about how they went and made known what they had seen and heard. The shepherd could have come up with some reasons to not go and share. <laughs> Think about it. Again, shepherds weren't, they weren't um, viewed very highly. They were outcasts. They were um, seen as liars. And so shepherds could have said, no one's going to believe us. No one's going to believe us. <laughs> and doesn't it sound a little crazy? You saw a thousand angels? Huh? Huh? And, um, and this baby born to these poor peasants? Uh, in that stable? That's God's Messiah? Really? Really? You see, these shepherds could have found many reasons to not go and share but they went and told everyone about this babe who was the Savior, the Lord. We too must do the same. Not everyone is going to believe when we share the gospel. Not everyone is going to respond positively to the gospel. But we can't be silent. The Lord Jesus is the Savior. He's God's answer to our sinful heart. And if we truly believe that Christ is the Savior, we must make it known. Well, first, the shepherds believed. Secondly, they shared what they had heard. And third, they went back to their sheep, glorifying and praising God. In verse 20, it says that very same thing. They left glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, 
their lives will change forever. Can you imagine? And our lives, too, will be changed forever when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Usually, when birth announcements are made, we have showers, um, sometimes several showers, and gifts are given. But in this case, Jesus Christ is our gift. He's our gift. In Romans 3, uh, 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we receive the gift as we receive him. Every year I walk Crimson Mosaic, a small group uh, Bible study, has a white elephant um, exchange at Christmas time. And um, granted, the goal of a white elephant gift exchange is more mm, entertainment than games. And um, sometimes the gifts that we receive are truly white elephants. <laughs> truly. Sometimes, though, there's some pretty nice gifts. And I confess, it seems like every time that we have this exchange, I'm very busy. As a matter of fact, we had our last, last Friday, a week ago, and I really, if people had always come into the house, I ran upstairs to the attic and got what I needed for my gift. Now, others, I'm serious. Others, they take a lot of time. They wrap their gifts with this beautiful paper, and, they, and the ribbons are gorgeous, and it, looks, it makes them look like the gift is worth a million dollars. Now, if they use a bag, I don't know how they do it. They take this tissue, this tissue, and they wrap it down in there. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It looks, there's that look of elegance, if you will. When we think again, it's worth a million dollars. But again, guys, I promise you mine never looks like that. I've tried. I've watched my wife, Chris. I've watched her as she takes that tissue paper and I don't know what she does, but she takes it and she does this stuff to it and then she throws it down in there and it looks so nice. Mine? It looks like somebody's wired up paper. <laughs> the ribbons, the, they have a way of making them curl up, and they look nice. You know what? And I'm not lying. I'm not stretching the truth. I know that for the last two years, I'm more than even third, but I don't, I don't want to lie on stage here. My gift has been chosen the last gift every times, the last two, and I think three. I really do. And, and, and the, the funny thing is, I've given some good gifts. Some good gifts. Yeah. You know, the thing about gifts, though, the best gift that ever to be received was wrapped in cloth. Not some beautiful material in an extravagant palace. It was delivered in a stable. Its cradle was a feed trough. And it probably didn't smell very good there. 
is delivered to peasants. Nobody to the world around them. This baby's announcement was made to the shepherds, the outcasts, the rejected, the despised. The world around us, for the most part, will not acknowledge the value of Christ and will see the beauty in Christ. And yet, we know that even though that he's not attractive to them, that this baby, born on that first Christmas, came from heaven to earth. And just this white elephant gift can be wrapped beautifully to look elegant and to look like they're worth a million dollars. Satan blinds us. He blinds us and he makes us think that some of the things the world offers are far more valuable than the gift of Jesus Christ. The past few weeks, we, as we've gone through the Advent, we've been looking at how Jesus Christ is our hope and how he is our peace and he's our joy. Today, we see that in Christ Jesus, we find true love. Giving up all the glory and majesty of heaven in order that he might come down from heaven to earth, wrapped in swaddling cloth, so that he might live a perfect life to die on the cross as a sacrificial lamb for our sins. He arose and now sits at the right hand of God the Father. Again, the good news for the shepherds was that this baby, born on that first Christmas, was to be their Savior and God. And the angel, as I said earlier, the angel, what he was really saying as he announced his birth was that this God who made you and who made you and who made you, who gave you your DNA, if you look and see how different each of us are, the God who sustains you, the God who woke you up this morning, that God, the person, Jesus, who stepped down into time. On this first Christmas, God took on flesh. And that voice, as I said earlier, that created the universe could be heard crying in a manger. The hands that placed the stars in the heavens reached over and grabbed them sure. Mary's fingers. You see, Mary's son was fully God and fully man. Jesus Christ, creator of the universe, sustainer of all things, took on human flesh in order that he might become our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer. This world we live in is Christ's world, created by Christ, for Christ, sustained by Christ, Reconciled by Christ, proclaiming Christ in every detail, and yet that Christ submitted to coming in human flesh. As we celebrate the birth 
of our Lord and Savior, again, our response should be that of the shepherd, to believe God's word, to share with others, to worship and bring glory to his name. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this baby born in that manger over 2,000 years ago. Oh, Father, sometimes we have a hard time being able to comprehend and understand how this happened, and yet we know that is true. Oh, Father, where there is doubt, increase our faith. Oh, Father, may we be like the shepherd, believing your word, sharing the gospel with others, worshiping you, and living in such a way that you receive glory. We pray these things in Christ's name.